Hey y'all, Ashley here, and today I have one question for you. Are you disqualifying yourself? <laughs> You're listening to Copy Chatter, the podcast where we talk about all things writing business. We're having a conversation here about freelance writing and freelance writers, and you are invited. Let's chat about business, marketing, dealing with clients, mindset issues, copy tips, and rolling with the changes. We'll also delve into what's going on with this particular writer as I grow and build my own business. Ready to talk shop? It's time for some copy chatter. mean with that question, are you disqualifying yourself? I'm talking about those of you who are out there looking for writing work. Um, And I'm also talking to those of you who are not out there looking for writing work because you've come up with all the different ways in which you do not qualify for writing work. (laughs) It's a pretty common tale. The new freelance writer or even the somewhat, you know, pretty established freelance writer who is looking for work and looking for companies to pitch and maybe responding to ads on the job boards or that kind of thing. Um, And there are some stated requirements um, in the case of a job, in the case of a job board ad, um, or just maybe some perceived requirements in your own brain. Um, And so you feel like you're ready to start applying, you want to start getting writing work, and for one reason or another, you talk yourself out of applying for gig after gig after gig. Maybe you manage to apply for some, but they are like kind of crummy (laughs) and low level. Maybe you have not managed to apply for anything at all um, because you have convinced yourself that you, for whatever reason, are not qualified to go for it. So if that is you, this is for you. (laughs) I'm talking to you today. And the thing that I want to impart to you (laughs) is to stop doing that. (laughs) Stop disqualifying yourself before you even try. Um, I came across something I'd read years ago um, and had forgotten about, but it it, it resurfaced for me. And it's a post um, from the Harvard Business Review from like I don't know, like five years ago. And this is something I think I read when it was first circulating back because it came out in 2014. And that was the year that everything changed for me. That was the year that I committed. That was the year that I decided that fear wasn't going to win anymore. And that was when I started really putting myself out there and finally, finally making progress as a freelance writer. Um, and so the the gist of this um I don't know if it's an article or if it's just something that they ran on their blog, but um, either way, the gist of this piece is that um, there's a statistic that gets thrown around that men, um, that women will only apply for gigs, uh, you know, for work. And this is in like the corporate work uh, context, but it was saying that women tend to only apply for a new job if they are 100% qualified, whereas men will apply if they are only 60% qualified. Um, And even though that statistic is maybe not necessarily true, I think it does um, skew toward reality. (laughs) I think we as women especially tend to uh, disqualify ourselves. So we don't even try. So what happens is we look at the list of requirements, if there is one, or if we are freelance writers who are pitching for work directly, Um, we think about all the things that we quote unquote should be, all the qualifications that we should have before we, um, I guess, have the right to pitch for work or to apply for this specific gig. And if we don't meet all of those requirements, then we don't even try. 
Um, and I just wanted to speak to that because it's something that I really used to struggle with. And it's something that that's an impulse that I really had to overcome in myself. And I'm glad that I did because that is the thing that opened a lot of doors for me. And I learned that you don't have to qualify to be qualified. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, I applied for all kinds of gigs that um, technically I didn't meet the requirements for. Um, and I did it because I would read these job descriptions and think, well, I don't have the five years of content marketing experience under my belt, but I know what I'm doing and I know that I could do a pretty good job at this. So I'm going to see if I can convince them to at least consider me because I think I could do this job. And that became my baseline. Could I do this well? Yes or no? And um, it required me to take a pretty realistic look at all the gigs I was looking at. You know, if they wanted to hire a director of marketing <laughs> and I had been a freelance writer for like six months, I was probably not qualified. So I wasn't going to go for that. But if they wanted someone who has X number of years of experience in a specific niche um, or industry, but otherwise they just needed basic blog posts for their corporate blog. Um, and I looked at their blog and, you know, thought, well, I could write that stuff. And not just in, you know, a general, like, I'm sure I could re reproduce that thing. But like, I understood what they were talking about. I, I knew how to use the language and that kind of thing, or I could, you know, it's straightforward enough that I could easily do it. I would apply for that, even if I didn't have the years of experience, even if I didn't have the required clips, I would still go for it. And that's how I started getting traction. That's how, so in January, we're talking about 2014. In January of 2014, I billed less than $1,000. I billed 950, I think it was $945 that month. And in December, I took two weeks off to get married and move. And um, I also billed $3,300 that month. So I more than tripled my income and life was so much easier. And one of the ways that I did that was to overcome this fear of being unqualified, to take a realistic look at what they needed. And if I really felt like I could deliver what they needed, I applied. Now, there were some workarounds that I had to employ. <laughs> you know, if, if, I, if they were looking for X number of years of experience um, in a specific industry, I wouldn't just gloss over the fact that I didn't have that. I would directly address it. I would acknowledge it head on and say, I have not been in construction for three years the way you want. However, um, I'm familiar enough with the language from, you know, my daily life. I'm really good with learning new technology. I'm familiar with your blog and I'm confident that I can reproduce it. This, this, and this, writing sample. These writing samples um, are all things that I wrote that are fairly technical in nature um, about something uh, that I had never known about before getting this assignment. So, um, and then I would usually make the case that a good writer is able to write well, even if they aren't necessarily familiar with the subject matter immediately. Um, and I would mention my ability to research, my ability to draw my own conclusions and answer my own questions, to fill in my own gaps, and to ask questions as necessary for clarification so that I wasn't wasting anybody's time. And I think that's a really compelling argument. If you're a good writer, then you're a good researcher. You're able to take all kinds of information, synthesize it, and present it to whatever your audience is in a way that they can understand. That is what a writer does. And so I could go to these marketing managers and these small business owners and to these bloggers and say, no, I don't really know a whole lot about 
um, you know, custom fabrication machinery, but I know how to write. <laughs> and I would have samples of things, you know, like I just said, um, I would send them the clips in my portfolio because I wouldn't have the whatever they wanted. Um, specifically, I would say, you know, this is something, this is a 2000 word blog post I wrote about something I'd never even heard of before, um, before I started working with that client and in that kind of thing. So I figured out how to tailor my pitch and tailor my portfolio to position me as a capable writer who didn't have to be an expert to be able to write well and to be able to write stuff that their audience would like. I positioned myself um, as someone who didn't need the expertise to be able to deliver. And some of them liked it and some of them, you know, didn't because they really thought that they needed they needed a tried and true expert. And so I wouldn't get those gigs, but I did get some of them. And the more important thing is that I was willing to try. And that's the thing that you have to do if you're going to make it as a freelance writer. You have to be willing to try. And so in the spirit of that, I want to encourage you to stop looking at these qualification requirements, you know, required, I forget even how they put it, you know, qualifications or required experience and that kind of thing. Stop looking at the reasons that you don't qualify and start looking for reasons that you do qualify. Um, the thing about any job description, and I learned this um, when I was working, and I learned this when I was uh, working for a career blog <laughs> and working with someone who, you know, this was his job, was he was like a career advisor. And some of my friends had come out of HR into freelance writing and that kind of thing. And so like I knew a lot of people who had been in this world, even though I didn't have a ton of direct experience in that world. And the overwhelming understanding that I got from them and that I've continued to see in my years just as a adult, <laughs> having adult conversations with other adults who work, um, is that the vast majority of the time, these job descriptions are not rules. They are guidelines. It's like that pirate movie <laughs> where they talk about the pirate code. And they're like, you know, it's, it's not really a code. It's more of a guideline. <laughs> so you can, you can bend it at will. When the, when the context makes sense, you know, generally speaking, you're going to abide by it. But when it makes sense, you, it, you don't have to treat it like it's a rule because it's not a rule. They ultimately are looking for someone who can do the job. So if you can make a case for yourself as someone who can do the job, even if they don't check off all of the 12 different requirements and experience whatevers, if you can do the job, you can do the job. And a lot of times real people, especially with this freelance writing stuff, real people are reviewing this. You, you don't even have to go through the through the computer systems that try to weed out the unqualified candidates. If you can write a pitch that a real person is going to read and respond to, and you can make a good case for yourself as someone who is qualified, even if your qualifications are not what they expect to be qualifications, because let's be honest, a lot of times they don't know. People who hire writers a lot of times don't understand what it takes to be a good writer. They think you need experience. They think you need expertise. You know, they think you need a degree and they're wrong. A lot, not 100%, but the vast majority of the time they're wrong. And so if you are looking for work um, or if you see a job that you get kind of excited about and you think, oh, I really, I really think I could do that. I think that would be kind of cool. And then you see that they need three to five years of experience and you've only got, you know, six months, but you've got a decent portfolio, 
make the case for yourself. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't tell yourself that it's a waste of time and energy. I for I 100% fervently believe that any pitch that you send is a good use of your time because you know, and this is for multiple reasons. For one reason, I think to some extent freelance writing is a volume prospect, you know. I think it really is just you have to you you have to generate some volume of pitches if you're going to get work. You're not going to send three pitches and get three gigs. You're going to send 10 pitches and maybe get one gig, maybe two. So you have to rack up the numbers. So, you know, it is a numbers game. So in that regard, any pitch that you send, I think is, you know, it's another one that you're sending. And so you're getting closer to the yes, and that's good. I also think any pitch that you send is good practice for getting better at pitching. And the better you can get at pitching, the more work you're going to land. So any practice is good practice. And I also think that there's really something to be said for for challenging yourself to reach for something that you think is inaccessible or that you think is just out of reach. If you think this gig would be interesting or if you really want the pay or if you really want to move into this niche and you think that you're not qualified I think that there really is something to be said for trying anyway and overcoming that fear, rewriting that script of I shouldn't apply for this and uh, building up that callus that you need to rejection. And so the more you put yourself out there, the easier it becomes to put yourself out there and the easier it is, the more you're going to do it and you get in this virtuous cycle of pitching. And yeah, it's kind of a drag when, when you don't get responses and it's kind of a bummer when you get a no. But the thing is, you have to keep putting yourself out there if you're going to get work. I mean, it's just it's just the nature of things. So I really, really think that there's tremendous value in working through the discomfort, reaching for those things that you aren't sure you're going to get. And then every now and then you'll land one and you hit it and they say, huh, sure. Yeah, let's do a trial. Um, and the feeling of joy and elation and just, oh, yes that you get from that, from that sense of, you know, I wasn't supposed to get this and I got it. That satisfaction, the hope that you get from that, the incredible momentum that you get from that is just invaluable. It is absolutely worth taking 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour if you're being really conscientious and sending the pitch. If you ask me, (laughs) and I say that because that was me, I had to teach myself that process. I had to pull myself through the process of beating back the fear and going for the work and overriding my sense of I'm not qualified. I had to figure out how to set that aside and go for it anyway. Um, Because I knew that if I couldn't do that, then the fear was going to win. And ultimately, my goal for all of you is that you stop letting the fear win. Because fear is a liar. Fear is just going to hold you back. And it's just a shame when you let the fear win because you can do so many things that you are so capable of doing that so many of us don't do because we're afraid. So if you are looking at a gig that you think would be good, that you think you could do, but you don't meet the minimum qualifications, don't let the fear of not qualifying hold you back. I implore you, I urge you (laughs) to apply anyway, to send the best pitch that you can. Um, I have a free Facebook group um, and I invite you to join us. You can look us up on Facebook. We're called the Inkwell Guild. You'll see me in there. I think it has my name all over it. Um, 
And if you are working on a pitch for a gig and you don't think you're going to apply and you're kind of freaked out, you know, you want some feedback, come into the Facebook group. We have really great people in there. Um, there's a lot of, we have fun. We answer each other's questions. We give really good advice and encouragement in there. So come and join us and post your pitch and let people give you feedback on it. Um, you'll find a lot of encouragement. I'm in there almost every day, so I'll probably give you feedback too. Um, it's a great way to help yourself move forward. Um, we are all cheering each other on. And so I invite you to come and join us. So again, it's called the Inkwell Guild. And um, yeah, come hang out, post your pitch, get some encouragement, get some, you know, free accountability for yourself, um, put yourself out there in an environment that is rooting for you and that wants you to win. Um, that's what we're all about. So come and join us. I'll put the link in the show notes also. And um, there's one more thing I wanted to share with you. <laughs> I'm getting ready to launch my new course on finding writing clients. Um, it's going to be a mix of how to go out there and, you know, put yourself out there and start applying and start pitching and also how to set your profiles and what whatnot up um, so that you are easily found by clients who are looking for you. So we call that um, inbound marketing is where they come to you and outbound marketing where you go out to them. And the, I'm going to cover every single method that I know of to find writing clients. I'm really excited about it. So if you are listening to this podcast and it is before June, you know, 14th ish, you know, if it's like, if it's before mid June, um, and you're curious about this course and you have questions, I encourage you to send me an email. You can email me ashley at ashleygainer.com. Um, and let me know what are your questions about finding freelance writing clients. You can also post them in the Facebook group. Um, the best way to hear more about this course is to get on my email list and you can do that at copychatter.com. I've got a free download for you. You can plug in your email, you can get on that list and then you'll be the first to know when this pitching thing comes out. Um, and in the meantime, I encourage you to go out there to find some gigs, to send your pitches and to keep doing this thing. Don't let the fear win. <laughs>